Awesome, awesome. Russ, good job today on the bass. There was a syncopated part in that song, You Rain. You can't hear a word I'm saying right now, can you? <laughs> Pull the ears out. <laughs> it was so cool. There was a part. I knew you couldn't hear anything I was saying. There was a part uh, in the song. There was a syncopated part in that You Rain song with the bass. It was amazing. Did I do it? You did it. Yay, Russ. Nice try. <laughs> that, that's what he says to us all the time, doesn't he? We come off the stage, he goes, nice try. I know, right? No, I, I wanted to grab you real quick because Russ, uh, he messaged me this week. And, you know, I gave you guys a challenge for the YouVersion Bible app and to do the devotional thing. And you downloaded it this week and used it. And It's amazing. It's a complete package. It's everything you want. And uh, I, I love it. I look forward to using it every day. I thought about leaning over so you could speak into my microphone, but I thought that might be a little weird. <laughs> Good job today, man. <laughs> he is such a deep guy. Let me tell you, if you haven't got to spend time with Russ Cucci yet, he's one of the most amazing musicians in all of Venice, plays all around town, and he is just a deeply rooted follower of Jesus, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, thank you guys for appreciating us. I, I, I hope every pastor around the country can say, this is the greatest church in the world. I love, I don't want to sound, you know, but it is, you guys are so amazing. It is such an honor and a joy here. We do feel appreciated. And I love the fact, I love the fact that we're a grace-filled church and that you don't put unnecessary expectations on me. You allow me to mess up and be human too. And it is a great place to be. It is just a great, thank you. I love you guys, love you guys. I do have something that I wanted to share with you. I've shared this with a few of my friends, um, but I have been clinically diagnosed with having a superpower. <laughs> it's true, true story. I'm not, I'm known to exaggerate, but I'm not exaggerating this one at all. This is honest truth. Michelle told me that she thought my hearing needed to be tested and that I uh, was having some trouble hearing her, you know. I have since found out there's a difference in hearing and listening, but anyway, uh, she was saying that I was having trouble hearing her. And I did notice that I was in a crowded room, or even in the foyer here when you guys are leaving, I find myself doing, you know, the, the cup of the ear, kind of focusing, trying to hear a little bit better. I go to restaurants. and So I thought, well, maybe I do have some hearing loss. And so I thought, you know, it took a while, but I, I agreed to go to the audiologist. And I went to the audiologist, and he did the whole test, like an hour-long test thing on me. It was very detailed. We come out, and, I, and they also sell hearing aids there, so I fully expected that I was going to, you know, be a, have a pitch for hearing aids. I said, well, how bad is it? You know, how, what's the damage? And he goes, actually, he goes, not only is your hearing perfect, but you're hearing things that the average human doesn't hear. <laughs> have I told you this before? I've told some of you this before, but he said, honest truth, I'm not exaggerating. He says, you're hearing frequencies that the average human ear doesn't hear you're like supersonic hearing <laughs> and I said well how come I'm not able to hear my wife when she's talking he said that's a totally separate issue <laughs> I said but what about when I'm in a crowded room in a restaurant and I'm having to cut my ear to hear what's going on he goes here's what's happening with you he goes you are hearing all of these things around you. You're hearing some of these, all these frequencies and all these things, and your brain can't actually process what you're supposed to be hearing. So, I mean, for some of you guys that are challenged with this, you might just have supersonic hearing. 
Now, I don't know if you're in the medical field. I don't know. This guy may have just got promoted from Home Depot or something to do this audio. I don't know, you know, but I'm just telling you what he told me. He says, you're hearing things that other people don't hear. I was just listening to the neighbors across the street over there. They're fine. They're fine. But when he told me that about a year ago, it was amazing because now everybody, everybody makes fun of me now. It's like, I thought you had supersonic hearing whenever I can't hear, you know. But here's what I thought was a really great analogy with this. In our world, I think we're all living like that right now. In our world, I can't think of a time in my life where this battle for the mind is more important because we have so many things that we're hearing in our minds, from in our culture, within our culture that are distracting us and keeping us from having our focus and our priority on God. And it is exhausting the amount of information that we have to process, even good information, right? I mean, even good, there's good information in there, but it's just amazing how much that we have to process. Now, I challenged you last week uh, to sort of start decluttering some things, to detoxing from the news. How did you do? Anybody, anybody actually take me up on that challenge? And anybody? All right. We got some work to do. I'm going to keep talking about this until we all raise our hands. <laughs> I know, Dina, you did. I know you, you, she sent me an email. I love, I love getting emails and stories about how God's working in your life and doing that. I did have somebody say to me this week, said, uh, you know, boy, it was a rough week to, do, to take on that challenge to detox in the news because everything that's going on with Israel, I want to find out what's going on with Israel. And then it made me kind of thought, think that I, I didn't probably do a very good job communicating that. I'm not asking you to detach completely from everything that's going on around us in the world. Uh, be very selective and maybe start your day off uh, focusing on God rather than focusing on the negative news. I forgot about the challenge myself this week. I, had done, I did a good job Monday, and then Tuesday I woke up, and I leaned over on my bed, and I grabbed my iPad, and I opened up Google News. First thing was, if the ice shelf, if the ice shelf melts, Florida will be completely underwater. And that was all it took, and I went, nope, I'm putting that down. And I got up, and I went, I went and got my Bible, you know. So, um, uh, but don't forget to share your stories with me about how God is teaching you through this time. Because I do want to take, I mean, I, I do want to take a little bit of time here over the next few weeks, and the idea is for us to replace anything, get rid of and replace anything that's distracting and discouraging uh, in our lives, and, and replace it with that which is beneficial for our spiritual growth. And the reason is, and we kind of hung on this one verse last week, was as a man thinks in his heart, as you think in your heart, so are you. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And we said this last week that your life, my life, your life, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are moving in the, in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And that's why we wanted to take just a few weeks here to dig into this idea and spiritual discipline of allowing the Holy Spirit to transform our minds. So here's what Paul says to the Romans. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Well, how do we do that? Think about it. I mean, really, think about it. How do we do it? We think about it. That's what we do. It's pretty simple. And if you think about it, most of the best leaders in the world, Christian, non-Christian, doesn't matter, uh, CEOs, most of, most of our best leaders they will have dedicated time. I mean, they will dedicate time to think about what's going on in their company. 
They will have time designated that they're, they're just setting aside this time, not to read articles, uh, not to look at data, not to have meetings, just to think, just to think on where the company is going, where, where our business is going, what my role is, how we can, can we do this better. And, and so for the Christian, thinking is a little bit different. And so it says here, Paul talks about the Philippians. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. What does that mean? Focus your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Everything that God said is true. Focus on God's word. Focus on truth. Focus on what is true and honorable and right. Focus on that which is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about, think about those things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I like, this is the second week in a row I've used the New King James Version, but I liked what the New King James Version says on this. It says, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, actually meditate on these things. Now, it's interesting. When Paul was writing this, where he was when he was writing at the time, if you remember uh, just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas are in the Philippian jail, and, and the Philippian jailer comes to Christ because, because of his actions, because Paul has continued to worship and praise in spite of his circumstances. Well, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians. He's writing about this while he's in prison. And so the idea for us is no matter what our circumstances are, meditate, think about what is pure and right and lovely and worthy of our praise and honor. Think about those things. And so today, what I want to talk about a little bit is just for a few minutes is I want to talk about the lost art of the spiritual discipline of meditation. The lost art of the spiritual discipline of meditation. Meditation is a spiritual discipline. Now, when you think about meditation, what comes to your mind? If you're like me, right? I'm hearing you already. Um, you know, you're picking some uh, Buddhist monk in a temple somewhere or a new age lady with crystals or something and, you know, crossing our arms and doing uh, meditation. Now, that is certainly a form of meditation, but that's not what we're talking about today. Uh, But think about this for a minute. You know, meditation is a universal discipline. Meditation is universal discipline. Now, I'm really careful about even saying this because, you know, when I talk about meditation, I don't, I want you to hang with me first before you go, yeah, we went to this church and a guy was talking about meditation and, you know, oh, what kind of church did you go to? Because we don't talk about it all that much, you know, we just don't talk about it, but it's actually very, very biblical. Meditation is actually very biblical. It was God's idea from the very beginning for us to carve out time to think, to focus on what is praiseworthy, what is good, what is true, what is right. And so truth is truth no matter where the truth comes from because all truth comes from God. And that's universal truth. Now, we're not going to get into that much today. It's too complicated for today. But like, for instance, a universal truth is karma. Karma is a universal truth. Now, we don't practice Hinduism. uh, But, you know, karma would say what goes around comes around. Well, Jesus would say you reap what you sow, you know. So it's a universal truth. The scripture here, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. You know, you reap what you sow. What goes around comes around. It's a universal truth. And the truth, a truth is God's truth from the very beginning, no matter who else uh, grabs onto that truth or begins to own that truth. 
even if it's used in different religious circles. Does that make sense? You know, another universal truth might be, you know, gratitude will lead to happiness. That's a universal law. Gratitude leads to that. It doesn't matter who said it. God said it first. It's his truth. You don't even have to be a Christian to benefit from this truth that God set up for us. Gratitude leads to happiness. You don't even have to be a Christian for that. You can practice that. Once you practice gratitude, it leads more to happiness, whether you're a Christian or not, because it's God's truth. It's a universal truth from the very beginning. And so I just wanted you to get that even like, so it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, you know, present your request to God. This is a universal truth. And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, when you're living a life of gratitude like this, when you're living a life, contemplative life, and you're focusing your thoughts and your ideas and your, your mind on Jesus, it, it transcends all your hearts and it guard your hearts in, in mind of Christ, Christ Jesus. It brings peace into your life. All truth is God's truth. Generosity. Generosity is another one. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. We are all called to be a generous people. That's universal. And when you live generously, you're living for more than just yourself. Well, meditation is another universal spiritual discipline. And meditation may be used by other religions, but God is the OG of meditation. He's the original designer of meditation. All right, so what is meditation? We all have this in our minds about what meditation is, and I don't teach on this a whole lot, uh, but I am a student of this and been working on this. Meditation is to engage in mental exercise to focus one's thoughts. That's all it is. It's simple. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's to engage in a mental exercise to focus one's thoughts. Now, the difference between Eastern meditation, or what we were talking about, oh, you know, the difference between that kind of meditation and God's idea of meditation is Eastern meditation's idea is detachment, to empty out your mind, to become one in the cosmos with the universe, you know, and that's their idea is to empty your minds. Well, Christian, Christian meditation or God's idea of meditation takes that away further. It does say detach from the world and empty your mind of this so that you get rid of all the clutter, you get rid of all the noise, you get rid of all the voices in the world around us. We empty out our minds so that we can refill it and we fill it with the thoughts of God. And that's more of a Christian view of meditation and what God designed at the very beginning when he tells us to meditate on his word daily. Meditate on his word. And so so that, is the huge, that is a big difference. Here's, here's, some, here's some scriptures. There's 58 different scriptures, actually, about meditation in God's word. Uh, Psalm 119 says, I meditate on your precepts. I think about your ways. I carve out times, the psalmist is saying, I carve out times to sit and think about how great you are and to think about your ways. Psalm 143 says, I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. Did you see the full moon last night? I don't know if it was full, full, but it was beautiful last night. And I couldn't help but sit there and just kind of look at the moon and go, oh, our God is amazing. Our universe is so big. And you look over and see Venus. I'm just going, I was meditating. I was meditating on the masterful work in the universe of God and how significant that we are in what could be such an insignificant feeling way of being so small. And yet God says we're so big in him. It's amazing. Here's another one for you. This one comes from the great theologian um, Jackie Chan. Uh, he said, your focus needs more focus. I like that. I like that. 
And if you think about that, in our modern culture, in our contemporary society, our adversary, the devil, he majors in three things in our lives. He, he majors in noise. And if he can get us to not be, if he can get us to be distracted and not hear and not listen because there's so much noise around us, uh, he, he majors in noise. He majors in hurry. If he can keep us running and gunning all the time, we never can gain perspective. It, it, I, I picture it like this. I picture like if you're running through the forest, you're trying to dodge trees. That's kind of like our life sometimes. But sometimes you have to climb the tree to get perspective. And that's what meditation is in our life. It's stopping from the hurry and the rush and everything that's going on around us. And we climb the tree to get perspective to see where we're at. And we're spending time alone with the Lord. He, he, so our adversary, he specializes in noise and hurry and crowds. And if he can keep us engaged in muchness, muchness and manyness, he will, re- he will rest satisfied. That's what, our, that's what our adversary wants in our life. In fact, psychiatrist Carl Jung, he said this once. He said, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. Hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. And so, like I said, meditation is mentioned 58 different times throughout God's word. And there's no shortage. You will never run short on the things to think about and to meditate upon. Listening to God's word. Oh, meditating on God's word, that's a big part of it. That's a big part. Meditating on God's promises. You know, meditating on his forgiveness in your life and the grace that he's extended to your life. Meditate on his power and might and the universe around us. Meditate on his goodness, the goodness of God, as we were singing about. Meditate on his creation. Meditate on his people, you know? And then and it's how we can bring scripture to life too. This is, a, this is a spiritual discipline that I've been working on pretty diligently for about the last 10 years. Uh, it, it, and this is what it kind of looks like for me. This is a very practical, this is a very practical message, very practical series for us. But sometimes when people are reading scripture, they read huge chunks of scripture. Like you might read the entire book of Matthew and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I do that a lot. I'll read because you're reading for context. Then you're, you're kind of kind of reading the whole chapter, to try to make it all make sense. And then maybe even reading the whole book. But then what I'll do is after I do that, and I encourage you to do this, I may take just a passage of scripture, a small chunk of scripture. Maybe we're talking about uh, Jesus when he's interacting with the woman at the well. I might take that passage of scripture and I kind of go, all right, what, what was it feeling like? What was the temperature like that day? I'm adding a lot of creativity in there. I'm being careful not to add more to scripture. We don't want to do that. But just to kind of put yourself there to be able to feel the moment. And I'll say, what is the temperature like? What did it smell like? How dusty was it? Were there camels going by? What time of the day was it? What was the weather? You know, like all of these different things. Sometimes I'll put myself in the position of the woman at the well. So I'll be the woman at the well and Jesus is talking to me. It's 2023. I can be at the woman at the well if I want to be. And so, you know, I might be thinking, what's Jesus saying to me, you know? Or then I'll put myself in Jesus' perspective. I'm Jesus talking to this woman here. And so you just kind of look at this scripture all the way around and just put yourself there and I'm just meditating on it. I'm just imagining it and I'm thinking it through. And then I'll take this and I'll go, okay, what is God saying to me? What does he want? What's the spiritual truth that he wants me to learn from this passage? Maybe, maybe it's, uh, you're, it's just a word or maybe it's one verse or one phrase. 
I hung on, I hung on Isaiah 66 verse 5 for like three years. God blesses those who are humble and with a contrite heart and who tremble at his word. I just focused on that for like three years. I focused on that and I thought, I need to rid the pride and arrogance from my own life. And I need to be a student who is hungry after God's word. That has nothing to do with a specialized practice or being a pastor. That's a call for every one of us. God will find favor in you and bless you when you are humble and you have a contrite heart and you tremble at his word. Well, the reason I know that is is I spent three years meditating on it, three years spending time on that one verse. So that's kind of what it can look like. And I love that moment when when you're pausing and you're trying to just listen and hear what God is saying to you. But in order for us to hear God's voice, we have got to declutter. We've got to declutter our minds so that we can determine what God's voice is. You know, this is probably not an earth-shattering, like new revelation of a message for you. I mean, it's stuff we all know, but we're just so busy going through life that we don't take time to do it. I've been there. I've done that even as a pastor. About seven years ago, real quick, I'll tell you this. About seven years ago, I took a three-month sabbatical, and it was fantastic. Um, It wasn't like a vacation. It it was very – I had some vacation time in there, but it was not like a vacation. There was some hard work. I went through a week of intense – Michelle and I went through a week of intense counseling with a place called the Blessing Ranch. We just chose to do it on our own. It was like preventative care, you know, and it was a way to detox from the world kind of a thing. And, and I had all these different things set up for this three-month experience with God and this sabbatical. But one of the things that we did also is I went, to, I went to Kenya, I went to Africa, and I was traveling around. A lot of what I was doing, too, in, during that time is I was meeting with other pastors and talking with other pastors. But one of the things the church did for me, the church in, in Nairobi Chapel in Kenya, uh, they set this up for me. And I went to a retreat center all by myself. I was the only one there. I had a personal chef and an attendant that took care of. I had no technology, no electronics for a week, no cell phone, nothing, no Wi-Fi. You know what it was? It was me and a Bible and a pen and a journal for a week. And I mean, there was nothing at this retreat center except for me and the Bible and a pen and a journal and I think a tree and a chair. And I sat there. And if you guys, you guys who know me, it's not easy for me. If I can do this, anybody can do it. Because I can't even sit still through a message. Like, I don't know how you guys sit through a message with me. Like, I can't hardly sit through. I get up, walk around. I can't sit still. You know, so for me, the first three days of that, when I'm just in, the, in God's word in that first three days of that, I'm like going nutso. I mean, like, this is like, I've got more days of this. How am I going to survive? You know, how am I going to? And then what was interesting is, uh, you know, about day four, I found myself decompressing. I found myself detoxing from the world. I found myself being found in God. And my relationship with God improved. It was actually amazing. The last part, you would think that would be the hardest part, but the last part of that retreat alone with God was actually way better than the first part because I began to detox and I learned. Here's what's kind of crazy about that. And you, I, know, I know not everybody's going to be able to take three months off, go to Africa. I get that. Um, but, but here's what I learned from it. I, I left there. I had gone. I was going 120 miles an hour in life. And I literally, during that sabbatical, I pulled the rug out from under my own life. 
and I was going zero. And then, and what happened is right from that retreat, I stepped onto the air in the airport in, in Nairobi and I flew to Austin, Texas. I had to lead a, a intensive staff planning retreat for us. And I just almost had a panic attack jumping back into 120 miles an hour. So much so that I was overwhelmed and I got shingles. Like I was a young guy. I was like 45 years old when this happened. I got shingles, you know, and, and like that's a stress related illness and if you guys have had shingles before you know and the reason was because my life had just I had finally detoxed and gotten it into tune and decluttered my mind and everything and then I jumped back into the exact same way that I was living before that and my body didn't even know how to react it was like <gasps> you know and so my my point of all this is is that I had to learn from that sabbatical I learned this I had to learn that I needed a daily sabbatical in order to survive in order to survive this world, I needed a daily sabbatical. And what I mean by a daily sabbatical is, I mean, I want to carve out time every single day to pray and to meditate on God's word. And then those two things are synonymous. They go together. When I'm meditating, I'm not talking to God because I'm thinking about God. And then it actually helps me in my preparation to, to pray more. And so I'm telling you that one of the greatest challenges that you can do, one of the greatest things that you can do for your spiritual walk is to carve out time every single day. Carve out time every single day for the Lord. Spend time with him. There's a, uh, there's a great book. I'm going to skip through here. Uh, there's a great book. I read it like 40 years ago called Celebration of Discipline by Richard J. Foster. If, you don't, if you've never read that book before, I, I suggest that you, you get that book today. Like, order it today. It's a fantastic book. I've read it multiple, multiple times. Celebration of Discipline by Richard J. Foster. And your prayer life will be exponentially better. You're meditating. It, it's 12 disciplines of the spiritual. It's like, it's like if you're in AA, the 12 steps program, this is the 12 steps of spiritual discipline. It is a fantastic book. I, it's one of the few books that I've read multiple, multiple, multiple times. It's actually where Pastor Jason got the palms up, palms down uh, thing. It came right out of chapter one of that book on meditation from, from uh, Richard J. Foster, uh, Jason's a lot like me, and he said he's even read the book like five times. And so, I mean, it is a fantastic, fantastic book. But even in the book, he talks about this. Even in, in, in the book, he says that you can't learn to meditate just from the chapter of a book. You have to meditate to learn how to meditate. And that's so, so important. And so one of the homework challenges that I want to give you through this series is to make the first thing that you put into your mind to start your day is meditate on God's word and all the virtues and ad attributes of God. And then adjust your prayer life around your meditation of what you're reading and what you're, um, and what you're seeing about God. I call this my daily sabbatical. I, I started it out like 15 minutes a day. And then I couldn't just go with 15 minutes. I had to do 30 minutes. I'm about an hour. I can meditate for an hour a day where I'm just thinking. Again, it's not, it's, I'm thinking about the words of God. I'll read a passage of scripture. I'll put the book down. I'll close my eyes. And I'm just thinking about it in every way. I promise you that it will help you in this hurried, in this noisy, in this cluttered life that we live in. If you will carve out time and meditate on God's word. Let's stand together.
and let's pray. And then send stories to me. If you're doing this and you see that, hey, God's been working in my heart and in my mind on this, send me an email. You know, let me know. I, I love to hear these. I love to hear your stories about that. Father, I pray that you would do the work of transforming our minds to the Holy Spirit through this series. Help us to declutter. Help us to be able to focus through the noise and the crowds and the hurry. And to be able to just spend quiet, unhurried, unrushed, refreshing time with you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you want to come forward for prayer uh, while we're singing this song or after the service, you can meet up here to the front on your left, and we'd love to pray with you this morning. Thanks for coming, you guys. Let's worship here.